Okay, good morning, church. Good. Uh, We are talking about the promised land today. Uh, We've just had a brilliant example of the story of the spies going into Canaan and checking out the land. Um, I get to wrap up uh, um, this section of the, the, uh, we've been looking at over God's big story, the life of Moses. So we're going to have a little bit of a whistle-stop tour through this last bit of um, uh, Numbers and Deuteronomy, um, and hopefully land somewhere about the promised land and what that means for us as well. Now, for me... When I was younger, I wanted to be famous. Most of us have had that feeling, right? We want to be known for something. The problem was I couldn't decide what I wanted to be known for. And um, I used to watch those chat shows. Um, back in the day, we had Wogan, didn't we? We had Wogan on TV. And I used to watch how on those chat shows, the host would introduce the guests. And they'd, they'd, they'd do a big introduction explaining what they were famous for and who these people were. Um, because I couldn't decide what I wanted to be famous for, I had this little narrative that went into my head, and I used to think um, what it would be like if I was introduced on, on one of these TV shows. And it went something like this, in my head, and this is genuinely true, I'm not making this up. Um, it went something like, our next guest tonight, best-selling author, well-renowned TV show award-winning actor. Member of Parliament and tap dancer. It's John Jolly. That is honestly what I was used to thinking in my head. I couldn't decide between the tap dancing. By the way, I've never done tap dancing. I just thought it was a cool thing to be famous for. Um, thankfully for you guys, and very thankfully for me, that never came to fruition. That idea, that thing in the future never really happened. Um, on the other hand, uh, this guy, Jim, He had a dream, he had a calling from God, and from a very young age, he wanted to be a missionary. He knew God was calling him to spread the word of God and to go into other nations and tell people the good news about Jesus, people who'd never heard before. Um, Jim grew up, and uh, in 1952, got on a boat from California down to Ecuador, and he spent um, a year working with missionaries there, learning Spanish so he could spread, spread the word and speak the language. And then he spent three years in a particular community uh, with a particular tribe, uh, outreaching to them, seeing people saved and coming, telling them the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and seeing them come to know God. But then he felt a call from God to go to a remote tribe, the, uh, the Waodani. The Waodani tribe um, were savages. They were unreached. They were known to live in the jungles. They didn't have connections with other people. They didn't speak the language of everybody else. And there had been attacks from the Wyodani. They'd killed oil workers working locally. They'd, uh, they'd killed people from other tribes when they come across them. Um, and Jim and his friends knew God was calling them. So they planned for months. They got a, a, a plane, and they would fly a plane over the jungle, and they would use a loudspeaker to call out a few words in the Wyodani language to give them greeting. And to tell them that they were here. And then they developed a way to lower a bucket down from the plane to drop gifts as they flew over. And uh, for about three months, they did that. They, they made connections. They dropped gifts. They called out to them. And they knew it was time to make contact. They found a little strip of land by the river, um, in the, uh, a bit of a clearing in the jungle. And they flew the plane down. And they landed the plane. And then um, dropped one person off. And the plane went back and, and got the others. And there's about four of them. And um, they landed in this remote part of the jungle and waited. A few days later, one man and two women from the Wyadani tribe came. And they couldn't understand each other, but they shared a meal together. 
And the missionaries, including Jim, they took the man in the plane and gave him a ride over and above the jungle, something that blew his mind, and then they landed again. They felt it went well, and they were elated because God had called them to spread the good news. Those three members of the Wyadani tribe left with instructions to come back and bring the rest of the tribe. Four days later, they came back with ten men and spears. Jim and his friends were killed. I'm pretty sure that's not what Jim had in mind when God called him to southern Ecuador to the Wyadani tribe. Maybe you have had disappointment. What do I mean, maybe? Of course you've had disappointment. We all have. We've all been let down. We've all had dreams. We've all had visions. We've all had ideas of things in the future. Uh, We've had uh, things that we wanted to see achieved. We've had places we wanted to go. We've had visions God's put on our heart. Maybe prophecies that God has spoken to us. Things that we want to see happen that have not happened. Is that true of anyone? Yeah, I think that's probably true of most of us. We've We've been disappointed. We have regrets. We've been hurt. We've been let down. What do we do? What do we do with that? How do we reconcile that with a loving God who works all things for his good? Um, the, the God who loves each and every one of us. How do we deal with our disappointments? How did Moses deal with his? We've already heard uh, from Jenny the, uh, the story in Numbers. Um, and they finally arrived at the promised land, the borders of Canaan. And Moses sent out the 12 spies, one from each tribe. And they, they went into the land and, um, and they, they scouted around, and they came back, and then it says here, uh, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. A metaphor for saying how rich and fertile and amazing the place was. Here is its fruit, but the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. As we heard from the wonderful puppet show, uh, 10 of those 12 said, we can't do this. This is beyond us. The people there are like giants. We are like grasshoppers to those people. We can't go into this promised land. But it wasn't just a disagreement. They were so determined that they would not go fight, that they would be slaughtered, that they rebelled against Moses and Aaron and the people. Only two, only Joshua and Caleb said, God has brought us to this promised land. It's called promise for a reason. A promised land. It's not a nice place to go to. It was promised to them. It was promised to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and now all of the whole Israelite people. It was a promise. And who knows that God fulfills his promise. But 10 out of the 12 felt that they could not go. It would not be wise. They were so determined that they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. In fact, they they got the people and they said, we need a new leader. We need somebody to take us back to Egypt. Let's stone Moses and Aaron. After everything that happened, after the burning bush, after the plagues of Egypt, after the Red Sea, after God provided manna for them to eat, after getting water from a rock, the people still rebelled and they, they said to Moses and Aaron, we're gonna, we want to overthrow you. We will stone you and get rid of you because we want no part of this. We're going somewhere else. We need new leaders. Oh, how disappointing. How disappointing. And as a result of that, Moses cried out to God. God was ready to destroy the people, the proud and stubborn people. God said he was going to wipe them out. But Moses argued. Moses said, no, God, if you wipe out these people, what will you be known for? These people are your legacy. Everything you've worked for will be destroyed. Please, please do not do that. 
And so Moses listened to God. But he said, not one of these people that came out of Egypt will see this promised land. Not one of them will, go, will live to go into it. Not one of them will live to see it, the promise fulfilled. And as we know, they wandered around the desert for the next 40 years until that whole generation had died out and there's a new generation ready. But what about Moses? Well, sometime later, a few chapters, jumping forward to Numbers 20, um, the people were again moaning and crying out. There was no water. They'd come to a new place. There was nothing to drink. They were determined to, uh, to cause trouble. They said, why are we here again? And, Mo- and God said to Moses to uh, speak to this rock. Previously, uh, a while back, uh, God had instructed him to hit the rock and water flowed, but God, God said, speak to the rock. And, um, and at this time, Moses did something different. In his frustration with the people, he hit the rock. He hit the rock twice with his staff. Now the same thing happened, water flowed out and the people got to drink and God provided a miracle and provided for his people. But Moses didn't do exactly as he was asked. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honour me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I gave them. So first of all, God says, none of these people who've rebelled against me, these stubborn people, will see the promised land. And now... Moses makes one mistake, and now Moses won't see the promised land. This is everything he's worked for. Ever since that burning bush moment, when God called this man by name, he's done so much. He's walked with God so closely, and suddenly, suddenly Moses won't see this promise fulfilled. I don't know about you. I would feel devastated. One mistake. It seems unfair. Why? God, after all of the things that you've been through, after, this is Moses, who it says, knew the Lord face to face. When he came down from the mountain, he had to cover his face with a veil because he glowed with the presence of God. And he makes one mistake and God says, you're not going to see the promised land. That seems harsh, doesn't it? That seems unfair. Why would God do that to this man who's been so faithful over so long? How How do we feel about that? Deuteronomy 34. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land I promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When I said, I will give it to your descendants, I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, a servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. Now this is the end of Moses' life. And he's gone up the mountain to be with God. Um, and the, the whole of this passage in Deuteronomy, he gives instructions to the people. He, uh, he gives a summary of his account. Um, and he's 120 years old at this point, And he's lived a long life. And he's known for a while that he is not going to see the promised land. He's not going to live to go into that promised land. And so God takes him up the mountain and says, I've let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab. Wow. It seems so unfair. But the interesting thing about, about Moses in this, this, this instance is um, throughout the history of the Israelite people, right from back with the burning bush, Moses has argued with God. In fact, he's known for being stubborn. He's known for arguing. He argued with God when God sent him. Uh, he, he said, don't send me, God. I've got, I've got a speech impediment. I can't speak well. Don't send me. Um, what, what I say, the people won't listen to me. He argued them. 
And on numerous times when God wanted to do things, Moses argued on behalf of the people. When they built a golden calf while Moses was up the mountain, God was going to wipe out the people. And Moses said, no, God, and argued with him. And God didn't do it. God changed his mind. And then, uh, as we've just heard, when, Moses, uh, when God was going to wipe out the people again because of their rebellion over entering the promised land, Moses said, no, God, don't kill your people. What will be your legacy? And God listened to Moses, and God changed his mind. Yet when it comes to entering the promised land, and God says, you will not see it, you will not enter it, Moses doesn't argue. And you can look through all the passages, and there's, almost, there's, there's, there's no hint that Moses is upset about this. It's almost like he knew. It's almost like he's satisfied. It's almost as if he doesn't mind. And I wonder if that is because for Moses, for Moses, perhaps the promised land was not entering into Canaan. There's a great quote from Ruth Haley Barton in her book, Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership. And she says, for Moses, the presence of God was the promised land. Next to that, everything else had already paled in significance. Moses had walked with God face to face in his presence for most of his adult life. And so when it came to the end of his life and God had said, you will not see the promised land, it seems that Moses actually didn't mind. This thing he'd been working for, this goal out here, this destination, the promised land actually didn't matter because Moses had something better. He had a relationship with God. He knew God face to face. So what does that mean for us? Well, I wonder if for us, our own hurts and disappointments and letdowns when things haven't worked out the way we want them to, I wonder if that's because that's not, those things weren't really our promised land. They weren't really our goals. They weren't really the things that mattered in life, although God may have called us to them or we feel let down by them and we wanted to see those happen. Maybe they weren't really what we're going for. Maybe what we should be going for is what Moses went for, the presence of God, knowing him face to face. I love Philippians uh, chapter 3. I love what Paul, Paul just go, in this passage just goes for it. And he says, forgetting what is behind, all those disappointments, all those hurts, all those promises that are unfulfilled, all those things that didn't quite work out, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us have things we like to achieve. All of us have goals, visions, dreams. That is good stuff. But actually, it's not the promised land. The promised land is here and now in our relationship with Jesus. Can I get an amen? <laughs> For Jim Elliot, that missionary who died uh, trying to reach the Wadani tribe, he and his friends, it seems like such a waste of life. But as a result, Jim's wife and his daughter moved and lived with the Waidani tribe. People pioneered because of what Jim started. They caught the vision through his death. And actually, God broke out. And the gospel, the good news of Jesus, was shared with that tribe. And they came to know Christ after his death. He never saw the vision fulfilled. Moses was taking people to the promised land. He never saw that vision fulfilled because his promised land was his relationship with Jesus. 
Um, I'd like to, I'd like to uh, respond to this together, if we may. Can we stand? So, for many of us, there's been a lot of hurt, a lot of disappointment. Maybe you didn't get the grades that you needed and your life turned out differently. You didn't go to the university that you wanted to. Maybe that relationship didn't work out. Maybe you had high dreams on, on a particular family life. Kids. Maybe a business venture failed. Maybe uh, a good friend let you down. Uh, maybe somebody ripped you off. You lost money. Maybe God, you felt God had called you to somewhere or someplace and it never happened. It didn't work out that way. Maybe you wanted to do a certain thing or be a certain person and that never happened. We all carry those hurts. We all carry that pain. And all of those, even when put in our hearts from God, are good things. And like Jim and like Moses, we never may, may see the fulfillment of some of those things. But that's not our promised land. Our promised land here and now is our relationship with Jesus. Now, I need to say, if you are not a Christian, if you don't know God, I need to tell you this morning, there is a God. There is a God. He created you. He loves you. And he wants a relationship with you. So, as we, as we do this together, I want you to think that. If you are not a Christian and you don't know God and you want to, please talk to me, uh, Becca, one of the leadership team, the person you've come with this morning, one of the hosting team in the blue t-shirts at the back there. Talk to one of us. We'll gladly tell you all about Jesus. <laughs> We'd love to tell you about Jesus. Uh, for those of us who um, are remembering those hurts and those disappointments and those failures and those letdowns, those promises that never were fulfilled, I want to give you hope. And that hope is through Christ Jesus all things are possible. And even if those things never happen, even if you never see them fulfilled, your promises are in Jesus. So we're going to pray. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to read Romans 8, 38 and 39 together as a statement aloud. As we pray, if you're standing next to someone, why don't you put your hands on their shoulders? We're going to pray for each other over our hurts and our disappointments and our dreams and our failures and those things which we... Uh, which have let us down. And then we're going to say this together. Father, thank you for our lives and thank you that we strive for things. We have things we want to see happen and we have goals. We want to tell you that we're hurt, we're broken and we're damaged. Things haven't worked out the way we wanted them to. And we may be resentful, disappointed, regretful. But today, we want to recognize that you are faithful. You do keep your promises. And our prayers return to you fulfilled. Amen. And so today we pray that rather than put our hopes in achievements, rather than put our hopes... In, uh, in future activity we know that you are the promise to us Amen let's pray this together let's read this out loud for I am convinced that neither death 
nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's read that again louder please. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.